Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is episode 464 for your February 9th, 2023. I'm your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Thursday afternoons, wherever you may be. We got, uh, we got some shit to get into, man. And I got to rearrange my schedule this week because I will not be live on Sunday. I'm not sure if you guys realize, but there's a big time football game on Sunday. And I don't really feel like going live against the Super Bowl because nobody's going to give a shit what I have to say on Sunday night anyway. So I had to rearrange my schedule. And luckily, keeping my fingers crossed, luckily... There isn't anything major happening this week because it's been relatively slow. And time this week is dwindling down. Tomorrow we're live for SmackDown. Big SmackDown coming up tomorrow night. We'll be live right here on the podcast right after the show is over. Saturday, not really going to be doing much of anything. Going out for a family junction. Not going to really be around, not going to be at home. So it's not going to be time for me to do anything work-related. And then Sunday's the Super Bowl, so. Not really a big football fan, but I do end up watching the game anyway and laughing at the halftime show because more than likely it usually sucks. But I'm going with the Chiefs. But I think the Eagles are going to win. That's just my pick there. Anyway, we got some wrestling news. We got some wrestling news to get into tonight. And hopefully you guys enjoy it. Going to go over the Sami Zayn and Cody Rhodes dilemma that still is a hot topic in the community, especially after Monday with Paul Heyman and Cody Rhodes breaking down that fourth wall on Monday Night Raw. So we will talk about that. As the top story tonight. And before we get into all that stuff, guys, please make sure you hit that thumbs up. I know it's a random Thursday, but why not? I like doing things on the fly. Why the fuck not? Hit that thumbs up if you guys are in the chat. I would appreciate it if you do. Helps me out in the long run on YouTube. It serves us up to the algorithm gods. So make sure you guys go and do that. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Make sure you go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Monday, we were live for Raw. Really great discussion coming out of Monday Night Raw. Last night, Jesse and I were live for AEW Dynamite, which I thought was a fantastic show. The ratings do not reflect how good it was. And if you're not watching Dynamite, you're really missing out, man. They're churning out some of the best TV that they've done in a very, very long time. 
So go check that out. Jesse and I had some great discussions about MJF. We got more MJF news today. Great discussions about the Gun Club winning the Tag Team Championships from the Acclaimed. Some good shit. Some good shit. So go check that stuff out all on the homepage right now, including some YouTube shorts as well. Everything you need is there for your consumption. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button. Like I said, as always, become a part of the OTS family. Super chats are open. We'll hang out at the end of the show. And always accepting applications to the VIP club. Make sure you guys hit that join button and become a channel member right here on the podcast. Let's get into some minor WWE news, man. Some major news broke in regards to SummerSlam and money in the bank. For WWE this summer. And if you guys are in the greater Detroit area, congratulations. You guys are getting SummerSlam 2023. WWE announced this week that they are headed to Ford Field in Detroit on August 5th for the 2023 edition of SummerSlam. First WWE event at Ford Field since WrestleMania in 2007. And first SummerSlam to be held in Michigan in 30 years. The last time WWE held a SummerSlam in Detroit, Lex Luger was parading around with the Lex Express, celebrating a countout victory over Yokozuna, a Lex Express tour that he went on across the country telling people he would win the WWF championship from the mighty Yokozuna. What a ridiculous fucking main event that was. Maybe you guys don't even remember it. Maybe you're too young to remember it. I remember it, and I thought it was fucking ridiculous. Knocks out Yokozuna with the bionic elbow. He gets in the ring, and everybody from the locker room comes out and props him up on their shoulders, and balloons are coming down from the ceiling, and confetti's coming down from the ceiling, and he won the match by countout. He did not win the world title. It was one of the dumbest endings I've ever seen, ever. And I thought the 1993 SummerSlam was okay. There was some great shit on that show. Shawn Michaels versus Mr. Perfect. Bret the Hitman Hart versus Doink the Clown. SummerSlam going back to Detroit. Anyway, tickets are on sale April 14, 2023. WWE released this statement. They announced that Ford Field in Detroit will host SummerSlam on Saturday, August 5th. SummerSlam marks the first WWE event to be held at Ford Field since 2007. And then SummerSlam, first event in 30 years since 1993. We are excited for Ford Field to host WWE's biggest event of the summer. And look forward to the WWE Universe converging on Detroit to celebrate SummerSlam's long awaited return to Michigan, says Dan Ventrelli, EVP of talent at WWE. Landing WWE SummerSlam at Ford Field is a signature win for Detroit and continues the momentum of Detroit Sports Commission in attracting major sporting events to the region, said DSC Executive Director Dave Beachnow. Metro Detroit enjoys a special place in WWE history and has produced many iconic moments. Thank you to the entire WWE family for entrusting us with this incredible opportunity and we look forward to delivering a first-class experience. Should be good. 
Should be good. I don't really know how many people Ford Field holds, but we're probably looking at somewhere in the vicinity of fifty to 60000 for SummerSlam once again this year. And WWE has this tendency now. You're starting to see this trend a little bit more in WWE. You know, WrestleMania is an event where WWE absolutely uh, puts on the highest of priority, the highest of all their events, and there are legitimate cities bidding for WrestleMania's services to their city because of the economic benefit that WWE brings to wherever they end up going with WrestleMania. I could see that being a thing. I don't know why they haven't done it, and maybe they are planning to do that in the future with Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble was the biggest Royal Rumble revenue-wise for WWE in its history. So I could see them letting cities bid on the Royal Rumble, on SummerSlam, Survivor Series. If things keep trending and they keep breaking records, I can absolutely see that. So that's good for them. You know, the television reflects it. I mean, people are really interested in what's going on right now. And the ratings with Sami Zayn and Cody and Roman Reigns and the Bloodline, they are reaching current, modern, all-time highs. So that's a great deal. People are really invested in story. They're really invested in long-term booking. So I I love to see that, and it's a great thing to see. The other news is WWE is taking Money in the Bank to London Not only Money in the Bank, but the night before, the O2 Arena is going to have um, Money in the Bank and SmackDown. So SummerSlam's in Detroit, and SmackDown and Money in the Bank will be in the O2 in London. Unbelievable news for you guys over in the UK. So WWE announced this actually today due to the incredible early response for Money in the Bank ticket pre-registrations at the O2. This is Saturday, July 1. WWE announced today that SmackDown will also emanate from the O2 the night before on Friday, June 30th. This marks the first time ever that SmackDown will broadcast live and in prime time from the O2 at 8 p.m. local on BT Sport. So I wonder, I wonder what that means. I wonder if WWE is going to air it live local time in the UK and then air it local time here in the United States at the same time, roughly around 3 p.m. Probably not. We'll probably get it live over on BT Sport. And then when it's 8 o'clock here, Eastern time, or wherever your time zone is, that's when we'll get it. It'll be on a tape delight for us, but it'll be live for everybody over in the United Kingdom. That's going to be a big weekend. That's going to be a big weekend. AEW is making their first trip to the United Kingdom this year. I'm very much looking forward to possibly making it out there as well to see what happens there. Um, That's going to be exciting. But a show like that, and I said this about Money in the Bank, not really a big fan of the concept anymore. I, I think the concept has ultimately been ruined by Vince McMahon and his lack of creative vision for the concept. I think whatever they did with Austin Theory this year or last year, rather, uh, is something that's left a lot of people with a bad taste in their mouth. Obviously, it worked out for the better because Austin Theory is greater than he was then, and it's not an anchor tying him down anymore. But I don't really feel the same way as I did. I don't feel that same excitement about Money in the Bank. And honestly, I would have canceled the entire pay-per-view. I would have done something a little bit more prestigious, like a King of the Ring in that spot and have it be a bridge between WrestleMania and SummerSlam 
and I would have moved Money in the Bank back to WrestleMania. Give the ladies night one, six women in the Money in the Bank ladder match, and then give the men night two, six men in the Money in the Bank ladder match. But that's just me. I'm only one man. There are a lot of people that came up with that idea. There are a lot of people that agree with that idea that would rather see it at WrestleMania, but I'm not really going to complain about this because, A, Money in the Bank is going to be going overseas. B, the crowds and the fans over there are absolutely fucking incredible, so you know you're going to get the energy that you desire for a pro wrestling show. And three, this is Triple H's first. Again, the Royal Rumble was a little iffy. The Royal Rumble was so-so. I mean, it wasn't the greatest Royal Rumble of all time. It wasn't Triple H's greatest production by any means. He got the winners right, but the execution of those matches were a little, uh, a little, you know, less than desired. But this is his first venture into a money in the bank. Who knows what the road to money in the bank is going to look like? Is he going to handle it differently than Vince McMahon did? Is there going to be qualifying matches? Is he going to have six instead of eight? Vince McMahon always loved the number of eight. The more people in the match, the better, even though it made the match worse. You know, I like a really nice contained environment in the money in the bank. The more people you put in there, you also, you also risk everybody getting hurt a little bit more. The higher level of, of, of injury is possible in those matches. So it's going to be interesting to see what Triple H does with the money in the bank. And Friday and Saturday, both at the O2, that's some exciting shit coming up for WWE. And they are on fire. If you don't like WWE and you're one of these tribalist fans that choose AEW over WWE and vice versa, I don't understand why we just can't like both. WWE's on fire going into WrestleMania. they got the best storyline in all of pro wrestling. And AEW has put on some of the best dynamites in all three and a half years of that show's existence. The last six weeks have been great television. Revolution is going to be fantastic. We have two wrestling companies that are fucking at the top of their game right now. What is there to be arguing over? What are you arguing about? Doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't really make sense to me. So I'm excited about what's coming up. And it should be a great year of pro wrestling. And I'm glad that the WWE is going back to the UK, just like they did with Clash of the Castle. Awesome stuff. Cody Rhodes. A lot of people are still wanting Sami Zayn to be the guy to beat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. No matter how many times I say it, it's not the right time for Sami Zayn to do anything world championship related. He's not winning the world title at WrestleMania. He's not the guy that's going to be chosen to take down Roman Reigns after two and a half years. It just isn't going to work. I said this over and over and over again. People are like, oh, let's make it a triple threat match. That's the worst idea of them all. Yes, let's just take Cody Rhodes' Royal Rumble victory and then fucking make it non-existent and put Sami Zayn in there uh, and shoehorn him in there with no logic behind it. And dampen Cody Rhodes' Royal Rumble victory just to get Sami Zayn in the main event of WrestleMania and make it a triple threat match like Brian and Edge did with Roman Reigns. No. That's a terrible idea. Whoever came up with that, whoever came up with that idea should stop talking about creative pro wrestling. Seriously. Just stop. I don't even want to hear another word out of your mouth. Others just say, oh, well, why don't we have Sami Zayn win one world title on Saturday and then Cody Rhodes win the other? No. That may be even dumber of an idea. Roman Reigns is going into WrestleMania with both championships, and the only outcome that should be is Roman losing both championships in one match, not two, because to the dummies out there, Sami Zayn beating Roman to them has no effect on Cody or Roman going into Sunday night. 
You have Sammy beat Roman on night one. What the fuck does that mean for Cody Rhodes and him beating Roman on night two? It would diminish everything that Cody Rhodes is looking at as far as a world title and beating Roman Reigns. And it would make Roman Reigns look fucking shitty. It would make him look like shit. Oh, he lost to Sammy, right? Oh, he, uh, he lost to Sammy and then he lose to, loses to Cody? I mean, I want Roman to lose too, but I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. Not a good look there. Also, it doesn't, have, it doesn't really present a good look when he loses one championship, loses his undefeated streak for two and a half years, but still somehow remains a world champion. No. One loss, loses both championships. That's the way you go. Sami Zayn, he's getting Roman Reigns at the Elimination Chamber in Montreal. That is his story. That story will turn the page to Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens against the Usos because Jay Uso is not going to be on television. I don't know what Jay Uso is going to be doing on Friday night. They have a tag team championship match against... Who the fuck won that tournament? Ricochet and Braun Strowman, right? They got a tag team title match on Friday night. That's going to be a very interesting situation. Is Jay Uso going to be on Friday night? For all we know, Jay Uso is not even going to show up until the Elimination Chamber. Jay Uso is going to show up at the Elimination Chamber, and he may. Sh- he, I, I'm assuming he has to show up on Friday because if they don't, you know, a they could get stripped of the titles which we don't want to have happen, or B, Solo Sokoa can fill in, and they could beat Braun Strowman and Ricochet, and they could just use the Freebird rule because it happened once with Sammy and Jay Uso. So why not Solo and Jimmy Uso this time? That's more likely of a situation happening on Friday. To be honest with you, I don't have Jay Uso show up on television until the Elimination Chamber. I have him go silent. I have him go radio silent, and that's what we do. That's what we do. Then he shows up at the Elimination Chamber, and then the next chapter of the story is written. Sami Zayn no longer has Roman Reigns to deal with. Jey Uso fucked him out of a world championship. Jey Uso aligns himself with the bloodline. Jey Uso is loyal and dedicated to his family. He realized that Sami Zayn should be out of the bloodline. All this nonsense, goodbye. Jey Uso now is the target of Sami and Kevin Owens. And Roman Reigns can go on to do whatever he has to do against Cody Rhodes. That's what's going to happen. Kevin Owens is also going to show up at the Elimination Chamber. We haven't seen him on TV after that fucking massacre at the Royal Rumble. And he's selling all of the effects of that. He'll show up and save Sammy from another beatdown. And then we'll get the program between Owens and Zayn versus the Usos. It writes itself. We're going to have a great moment at WrestleMania for those tag team titles. And for Sammy Zayn and Kevin Owens to get some semblance of revenge against the bloodline. And if you told me, J.D., I think that should main event night one, I would not be opposed to that happening. I actually pitched a couple of matches to take place in the main event of WrestleMania night one. Drew McIntyre, Sheamus, and Gunther for the IC title. That's more than likely going to be a match at WrestleMania. And I'd love to see the Intercontinental Championship get some main event shine at WrestleMania because it's going to be a big deal for Sheamus to win the one title he hasn't won. But that's the least likely of the options. Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair more than likely will be the choice to go in main event night one because Rhea Ripley won the Royal Rumble. But if I had my choice in the matter, I would probably pick over all of those, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos for the Tag Team Championships, put that on in the main event, send the crowd home happy with the biggest storyline of the entire year. In the main event of night one, the bloodline, the cracks are beginning to form. In night two, Cody finishes the job, and the bloodline 
is, I don't want to say the demise of the bloodline is looming, but the bloodline is at its weakest coming out of WrestleMania. That is the story. That is the finality that you need at WrestleMania. That's what WrestleMania means to me. Closing of these chapters. And that's what you do. Night one and night two. So WWE, to get you ready for everything that is going to be happening going into WrestleMania, they decided with eight weeks, because I made a big stink that six weeks might not be enough time for Cody Rhodes to sell a program with Roman Reigns. WWE gave you eight weeks starting on Monday, this past Monday, with Cody Rhodes and Paul Heyman with an incredible in-ring promo. Now, Cody Rhodes... As far as the promo is concerned, backstage news on how this went down and who was really behind all of this Paul Heyman and Cody Rhodes promo. WWE found itself in an interesting spot as fans are behind the storyline between Bloodline, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens, especially after Zayn turned on Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. Zayn will challenge Reigns at the Elimination Chamber, as you guys know, and some fans have felt that Zayn should get the WrestleMania match instead or be inserted into the headliner. Meaning, he should get Reigns one-on-one or make it a triple threat match, Zayn, Rhodes, and Reigns. No. Dave Meltzer noted that WWE knew they needed to do something notable to build Rhodes versus Reigns because of how over Sami Zayn is and how over this storyline is with the bloodline and Sami Zayn. This was all Sami Zayn's fault. The reason why WWE did that promo on Monday with Paul Heyman and Cody Rhodes is all because of Sami Zayn's unbelievable babyface heat right now in WWE. They wanted people to really start thinking about Cody and Roman instead of Sami and Roman. Now that presents another problem that WWE needs to really focus on, and we'll get to that in a second. The thing on Monday, we probably should have opened with this because they talked about this on Observer Live. It was fantastic, Meltzer says. This was done because they were well aware of how hot the Sami Zayn thing is, and it was imperative to not have this WrestleMania main event angle feel secondary. They knew going in that they had to do something, and they did. They used a lot of real history there with Dusty and Paul Heyman, Meltzer said. So WWE's logic going into Monday and then coming out of the promo with Paul Heyman and Cody Rhodes was that they didn't want the main event of WrestleMania to feel secondary. I get that. But this is why the fans are going to read something like this. The fans are going to hear something like this. And this is the type of shit That makes fans actually second guess and think, well, WWE doesn't want this to feel secondary, so they're going to push this, and they're going to neglect Sammy and Roman. They're going to tell us that this is more important, but we know it's not. Fans are not stupid. It doesn't matter if it's eight weeks, six weeks, 20 weeks. Sammy Zayn's... Story has been building for close to a year with 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 Roman Reigns. Sami Zayn's been in the bloodline for the majority of 2022. This has been the biggest storyline, and it has transpired into the biggest storyline in WWE since WrestleMania 30's Yes Movement. 
But you want fans to be conditioned about, oh, Cody Rhodes, oh, Roman Reigns, that's the main event of WrestleMania. They want that to be the top priority. Well, maybe you got in way too deep and you didn't know what was going on with Sami Zayn. I don't think anybody's going to look at Cody Rhodes, even though he is great in his own right. Nobody's going to look at Cody Rhodes the way he won the Royal Rumble and with eight weeks to to WrestleMania. Nobody's going to look at him as the more deserving guy over Sami Zayn. It's It's just basic human nature. Nobody's going to look at Cody Rhodes as the deserving guy over Sami Zayn. He can give me whatever sob story he wants. He can go out there and tell me, oh, oh, Dusty, oh, Dustin, oh, my family, oh, my father, and all this other history bullshit. He can go out there and cry all he wants. It's not going to make a difference. The fans want Sammy. The fans are going to continue to want Sammy. So WWE needed to do something. I I get that they needed to do something. But don't tell the fans what is more important to them. Don't. Which is more important? The bloodline? Because that's what we've been told. I don't give a fuck who Cody Rhodes is. The bloodline storyline with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn is the biggest storyline in the entire company. In my honest opinion, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens winning those World Tag Team Championships at WrestleMania is going to be a bigger deal than Cody Rhodes beating Roman Reigns. Because of the story. This isn't some fucking... Half-assed story. This is some of the most compelling writing that WWE has given us in years. The tide and the feeling of pro wrestling is changing. People want long-term booking. It's something that I've been preaching for months, for years. Long-term booking. WWE fans are going to gravitate towards that because they want something to fucking feel invested in. They want to watch weekly episodic television and they want to be excited about what they are watching. They don't want to watch some random shit happening on TV just because it looks good. There's an empty feeling that comes along with that. It, it's, it's like a temporary fucking fix. It's like, a, it's like a temporary high. Oh yeah, this match is great. And when the show's over, it means nothing. It'll be talked about for a couple hours on social media and then we'll go into next week and then rinse and repeat. This has lasting effects Look at the storyline that has transpired over the last year. Look at the characters that have been built. Roman is at his greatest peak right now. The Usos have never looked better. Kevin Owens has never looked better. Sami Zayn has never looked better. Those men have been with the company for how long? And they right now are the hottest they've ever been and the biggest they've ever been. They are the, I don't want to say they're the faces of the company, but Jesus fucking Christ, man. You cannot find two hotter baby faces in this entire industry than Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens because of this storyline. All of the positive that has come out of this, you think Cody Rhodes and his road to WrestleMania is going to trump everything we've seen and all of the positive to come out of this storyline? No way. Absolutely no way. Now, I appreciated the promo on Monday. I I thought it was great. But one part of me And I did say, I don't think six weeks is enough, but that's not my fucking problem. I didn't really wait this long. I didn't 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 tear my peck. I don't have a torn peck. Cody Rhodes is the one that had a torn peck. Cody Rhodes was the one that was out for seven, eight months. Not me. Six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks. It's not going to be enough time. Not going to be enough time. 
If Cody Rhodes didn't get hurt, I would I would like to know what the fucking plan would have been for Cody Rhodes. Would they have planted seeds? See, this is the thing. This is there's always still a what if. There's always a what if. If Cody Rhodes didn't get hurt, theoretically think, if Cody Rhodes didn't get hurt, what would WWE have done with Cody Rhodes in 2022? Would they have planted seeds for Cody and Roman? Would it have stepped on Sami Zayn's feet and the bloodline story that we've seen play out all these weeks leading into 2023? There's a lot that could have changed, and we we will never know because Cody Rhodes tore his pack. Him tearing his pack really really, really drastically changed everything for him. And now they are scrambling to pick up the pieces. It's almost as if, I don't want to say this is the case, but it's almost as if WWE knows that Sami Zayn is the right choice and Sami Zayn is the right guy and this is the right storyline, but they're doing everything to tell you that it's not because they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. It's almost as if they're telling you, yeah, it's right, but we're not going to do it. Now, Cody Rhodes is more important, and that's what we're going to push, and Sami Zayn is second. No, it's not. No, it's not. Cody Rhodes won a fucking Royal Rumble while he was in there for less than 20 minutes. It's not some grand Royal Rumble. It's like, it's like people are pretending like he won the 1992 Royal Rumble and he was in there at the number three position like Ric Flair did. And he eliminated fucking Psycho Sid and Hulk Hogan at the end of the Royal Rumble to win the WWF Championship. No, he did not. He did not. He came out at number 30 and eliminated six guys. That's what he did. He didn't outlast the field of 29. He outlasted six because he came out at number 30. WWE is trying to tell you without actually telling you, yeah, we know it's right, but we're going to go with Cody, and we want you to think Cody's the most important. But it's not. It's not. Now, the promo, like I said, I enjoyed the promo. Paul Heyman is fantastic at what he does. If there's somebody that I'd love to narrate my life, it'd be fucking Paul Heyman. Cody Rhodes was great, always great. Cody Rhodes is the most emotional wrestler that is going today in the business. He's the greatest storyteller in the business. Everything that Cody does means something. Everything that Cody Rhodes does emits emotion. Very rare quality in 2023. Some of the backstory on this, and this is where I really got, you know, kind of invested in what they were talking. I love when they break the fourth wall, not just these two guys, but I love when... Pro wrestlers break the fourth wall. So they largely focused on Sami Zayn. Uh, and not Sami Zayn. They largely focused on Dusty Rhodes. Sami Zayn was a part of it. And the reason why they did the promo uh, on Monday was to kind of deflect away from Sami Zayn. But they largely focused on Dusty Rhodes. So Dusty, who was a mentor to a lot of the current talent that you see on TV, he was, he was NXT him and Paul Heyman have a history. At one point, he was one of Paul Heyman's employees. So they used their histories to build to this title match between Cody and Roman Reigns on WrestleMania Sunday. So there was a picture floating around that I saw of Dusty and Paul Heyman. I mean, Paul Heyman looked like he was in his fucking 20s here. Really, really, really great photo. And then I found this clip online of Paul Heyman on the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast in 2015, where he gave credit 
to Dusty Rhodes for unlocking his vaunted promo skills. This is what Paul Heyman said to Stone Cold Steve Austin, and I quote, That goes back to a lesson I learned from Dusty Rhodes when I was first in WCW, my very first Starcade. I was just starting in WCW. This is where Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes and Sting and Kevin Sullivan, the Road Warriors. I mean, you just talk about a lineup full of guys that could really cut promos. And then there's Jim Cornette. And I was opposed to Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette had his promo somewhere in the middle of the show, and I thought I was going to have the next segment, and Dusty switched it. I didn't follow Cornette. Dusty said, you're going to close the show, baby. And it was just to wing it. And I had about four minutes. I did everything. I imitated everybody on the roster. I talked about everybody else's matches. I tried to put everything over. I ran around the podium. I did everything. I possibly could accept seeking or speaking in tongues to garner people's attention so you wouldn't dare click that dial. And I ended it with some ridiculous punchlines so people would, you know, oh, that was very cute what you said. I came in the back and I thought, Man, I'm a star. I'm Paul E. Dangerously. I'm the greatest promo of all time. And Dusty looked at me and said, thank you, kid. That was so very, very entertaining. But the question I have for you is, where's the money? I never sold Starcade. That's what he told Stone Cold Steve Austin. So Heyman talked about Dusty and what Dusty meant to him. And the thought of Dusty makes him tears up during makes him tear up during this promo. And Cody was talking about how the family had no money and Dusty was looking for work and he was doing car commercials, not to make money for the family, but to make the car payments and keep the car. Paul Heyman was there and he gave Dusty a job at ECW and it really uplifted Dusty's confidence and really made him kind of ignite that spark for pro wrestling again. So... We are listening to these two guys go back and forth. And at the end of the promo, Paul Heyman kind of made it personal. And Paul Heyman deviated away from, you know, Cody Rhodes talking about his father and Paul Heyman obviously sitting there listening. And his interpretation of Dusty is just as important as Cody's interpretation of Dusty. They all love Dusty. Everybody loves Dusty. But Paul Heyman made this personal and said that, Roman Reigns was more of a son to Dusty Rhodes than Cody Rhodes was. So then I see this clip floating around on social media, an interview Roman gave to ESPN before WrestleMania 38 last year. And there was some actual truth to what Paul Heyman said in that promo to Cody Rhodes. Dusty did see money in Roman Reigns, always did. Roman Reigns says this, this is a billion-dollar industry. When I was making $500 a week down in FCW, the developmental before it was NXT, I cut a promo for Dusty Rhodes. I don't remember all of it, but I pretty much said, I'm a walking $1 billion check, and everybody looked at me like, what the heck is this guy saying? This guy's crazy. What is he talking about? He's a billion-dollar check? Dusty knew exactly what I meant. Everybody else at the time, they were my peers. They had no clue what was happening. Now they're beneath me. Dream, at the time, a Hall of Famer, a bona fide draw, someone who drove the business forward. He understood what I was talking about. 
And what, 10, 11 years later, look at what's happening here. So when it comes to being a Hall of Famer, being a legend in this game, my work speaks for itself. So there are family ties in this thing for sure. Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman need to make this personal. And I said this on Monday. They need to make it personal. And Cody needs to make it personal. Cody, I hope this, I hope this promo really opened the door for Cody Rhodes to really kind of put his father at the second or third position of most important in this, in this feud, in this, in this program, in this story. The world title is always, always going to be number one. This needs to be about Cody. This needs to be about Cody. This needs to be about the world title. And this needs to be about Dusty. Dusty needs to be fourth or fifth from the top. This needs to be about Cody. So when Paul Heyman made it personal, I hope to God that we are now on this personal road of Cody Rhodes and why he needs to take down Roman Reigns. And I hope his father is going to be used as a catalyst to open that door for him to cross that bridge into making it personal. If we continue to hear, Dusty, my father, I got to do this for my father. I got to do this for my family. People are going to get sick of that narrative. We know why you're doing it. We don't need to be beaten over the head with it. Dusty is great. Everybody loves Dusty. But this needs to be about Cody. Why did Cody leave WWE six years ago, seven years ago? Because he wasn't good enough in the eyes of WWE management. Then Vince and everybody else that was there. They had him wearing a fucking face mask. They had him fucking do dashing Cody Rose. They had him dressed as a fucking clown in a stardust gimmick. He didn't want to be that. He wanted to be himself. He wanted to be somebody that his family could look at and say, yes, that's my son. Dusty, yes, that's my son. His wife, yes, that's my husband. That's my brother, right? They had him dressed as stardust. He wanted, to, he wanted to be himself. They told him no. So then he promptly asked for his release. He goes on the indies. He's Cody Rhodes. Or just Cody, because he couldn't use the fucking name because WWE had it trademarked. Cody. Who the fuck is Cody. He kind of had his identity, but at the same time, he didn't because he was just Cody. People knew him as Cody because WWE owned the IP for Cody Rhodes. Rhodes, they fucking, they trademarked the goddamn family fucking name. So he goes on the indies. He's wrestling top names from all over the world. He lands in New Japan. He wrestles in Ring of Honor. He starts AEW. This is a six or seven year span that needs to be discussed. That chapter in this fucking six, seven, eight weeks needs to be read out loud. If they neglect that, then there's no story. There is no story. Dusty can only be one chapter of the story. How long is this chapter going to be? The chapter's going to be eight fucking weeks? No. Dusty is a chapter. Now we turn the page and we go on to why Cody left WWE. I hope this promo was the fucking catalyst to tell you everything that happened in the absence of Cody Rhodes in WWE. Roman Reigns is part of the fabled Anawaii family. Cody Rhodes has a family that is just as prestigious in this business like Roman. 
We all know what the Anawaii family means to the WWE. There is more than one royal family in this industry. You're seeing it right now. But Roman is the guy. Roman is the guy that WWE would love to shit out. When Roman goes away, who's the next in line? More than likely, it's coming out of that family. Who, who's the next in line after Roman goes away? They wanted so badly for another John Cena. Roman Reigns is great. Roman Reigns is at the top of this industry, but he's not John Cena. He's not transcendent like John Cena. Nobody is going to be able to measure up to John Cena. No matter what, you hate him, so be it. You can't deny that man's impact to this business, to that company. He was the closest thing to Hulk Hogan that Vince McMahon had. He had John Cena for as long as he did, and he should be absolutely grateful that he had John Cena for 20-plus years. WWE could shit out someone like Roman Reigns on a yearly basis, they would. They would not shit out somebody like Cody Rhodes. At least then. Six or seven years ago, they didn't want to shit out guys like Cody Rhodes. They didn't want a bunch of Cody Rhodes on television. They wanted a bunch of Roman Reigns on television. That's what they want to produce. Their entire program, their entire NIL program, their entire fucking performance center is to find guys like Roman Reigns. They're not there to find guys like Cody Rhodes. That's got to be the story. They chose him, Roman, over Cody. This is the guy that we wanted. We didn't want Cody. Cody had to go away. Cody had to go away and fucking work like his father did on the indies and then come back and become a WWE bona fide WrestleMania main eventer. He did it on his own. Roman was basically gifted. Roman was handed WrestleMania main events. Roman had WrestleMania main event in his blood when he came out of the womb. Cody Rhodes did not. That's got to be the story. Never mind this Sami Zayn shit. Sami's got his own fucking story. Sami Zayn is not going to be meddling in this Cody and Roman situation. There is one question that I had, though. There is one question that I had. Did they do this too early? Now, I said six weeks was a little too light as far as weeks in between the Rumble or in between the Chamber, rather, and WrestleMania. Six weeks was not enough time to tell this story. Six weeks was not enough time from the Royal Rumble to tell this Cody Rhodes story going into WrestleMania. Is it going to be enough time to really make it feel like it is a top, top, top priority for Cody Rhodes? I don't know. It depends on how great the story is. If they go my way and they go my route, maybe we'll get there. But what WWE did on Monday was taking the fire extinguisher and flanning, fanning the flames a little bit. Because Sami Zayn is fucking absolutely volcanic hot. He is on fire. And WWE, with this promo, took the fire extinguisher and wanted to cool off Sami Zayn just a little bit. Shave a little off the top. That's what they did on Monday. But could it have waited until after the chamber? Because the perception that I get is everybody, everybody is talking about uh, Sami Zayn and not Cody. So WWE wants you to get into the mindset of talking about Cody and not Sami. Could they have waited until after the chamber? Would it have made sense to do this promo after the chamber? Because then we're really only looking at the final stop, and that's WrestleMania. On the way to Elimination Chamber, we got Roman and Sami 
heating up for that big title match, but WWE wants to throw this in there as a little fucking appetizer on Monday Night Raw. Hey, don't forget about Cody. He's on the menu as well. Did that do anything to take away from Cody's heat? Did that do anything to take away from Sammy's heat? I don't know. I don't think it's going to affect Sami Zayn at all. But I'm just looking at it as far as a logistics standpoint. Could they have waited till after the Elimination Chamber to do it? Why promote something as more important when this Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns thing is the most important thing in all of pro wrestling right now? It's a little weird. So WWE's got some work to do. This is not going to be an easy fucking road. This road, you know, you may think it's easy. You may think it's smooth sailing for Cody and WWE's got all their fucking plans and all their ducks in a row. This is not going to be easy. It's not. There's going to be a bumpy road to WrestleMania, and it's all going to be on the back of WWE and how they write Cody into a proper title program at WrestleMania. They need to really start getting their shit together and make it about Cody and not Dusty. Dusty's not wrestling Roman at the, uh, at the biggest show of the year. Cody Rhodes is. I want to know why Cody left. I want to know why Cody is back. I want to know why Cody wants the WWE Championship. I want to know why Cody feels like his family is more valuable and prestigious to this industry than Roman's is. That's what I want to hear. Everything else, we've already heard it, been there, done that. We've heard it in three years in AEW. I don't need to hear it now in WWE. We've seen Cody cry in AEW. I don't want to see him cry until he wins the fucking world championship. Tell me why you are back and why you left and go after Roman and tell me why you're targeting Roman. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to hear. Moving on. Cody Rhodes was actually interviewed with, I think it was, if I can find the news, Inside the Ropes. That's who he was interviewed by. While speaking with Inside the Ropes, Rhodes was asked about the decision to make the announcement that he would be in the Royal Rumble in advance and who came up with the idea. He said Triple H came up with the idea. Rhodes started out by stating, obviously I'm not in charge of anything around here. I'm a man on the roster and I want to be the top man. But in this case, the video package, the vignettes, the buildup, I think it's an okay thing to share. That was all Triple H's idea and the team around him. WWE is always super anonymous in terms of the team, but I have to shout out Colleen, JB, Jeremy Boresh, Adam Panucci, and Ben Williams. These guys put these videos together because my situation is unique in that sense that I do not play a character. I don't even think I'm one of those turned up to 11. I am me, always, and that's a little scary. That's intimidating if you're saying he's coming back at the Royal Rumble. I'm coming back at the Royal Rumble, and everybody needs to get off the mountain or whatever it is that I said. You're putting yourself in a situation where you best deliver, and I thought that they covered my journey in a real way. I thought the video packages were great. I thought they were beautifully done. I don't know if I would have announced him Ahead of time that he would be in the Royal Rumble, it kind of diminished when he came out at number 30 because I just feel like it would have been a better surprise if he was not announced for the Royal Rumble. That's just me. I think they, they messed up by announcing him beforehand, and I think they messed up by, by having him come out at number 30. I truly believe that. 
Now, whether number one was a realistic possibility or not, I don't, I don't know. But at least give him a little bit of, of a struggle, more so than what he was given at the Royal Rumble. I feel like that Royal Rumble win was absolutely a, a walk in the park for Cody Rhodes. Basically, uh, yeah, we, we got this Royal Rumble. We're going to have some spots, but Cody's going to win it. And we just, whatever, just book the ending, get him to win it. That's all I care about. We just want his name in the spotlight for WrestleMania. We want to make it official tonight. It's Rhodes versus Roman. That was it. No struggle, no plan, nothing. Didn't like it. Rhodes talked about how it's risky when you call your shot and gave examples of people like Babe Ruth and Joe Namath doing so in the past. I'm not saying that I'm those guys. But again, in our world, Triple H called his shot. It's very important to me to keep your word with the fans, especially now. As I've gotten older, keeping your word, and I felt like I kept my word. I showed up in the best shape of my life, and I was able to get it done. He also talked about the, his, his friends, quote-unquote, Ricky Starks. Apparently, there was a, a thing going around on social media that he brought his friends with him to the Royal Rumble. Ricky Starks was backstage at the Royal Rumble. Now, Ricky Starks, I believe, is a Texas native. Ricky Starks is very good friends with Cody Rhodes. So why not? So people were like, well, what is Ricky Starks doing backstage at a WWE show? What is he doing backstage at the Royal Rumble? And is Cody trying to kind of, I would say, lure him over to WWE when his contract is up with AEW? So he talks about bringing Ricky Starks to the Royal Rumble. Yeah, what an idiot, right? Listen, it's one of those things where the locker rooms have crossover. People are married to other people from other locker rooms. People are friends. This is a kid I started on his journey at my former home, and obviously I want to follow and see his journey, but I will say it's probably best that none of my friends come and visit me at the shows anymore. We don't need security camp footage of that. Poor dude, I hope he didn't get in any, in any trouble. I don't think he did. He was there to support a friend who had been absolutely down and out with a pec injury, Rhodes stated, in regards to Ricky Starks. Ricky's one of those guys who nursed me through it to a degree and helped, re helped me remind me of who I can be. I was happy to have him, and I had some other friends there as well. The other friends stayed on the bus because they were not crazy yahoos. Hopefully, we can watch each other from a distance. I don't want to cause any strife between any places. We all love the same thing. It's the squared circle. It's the wrestling industry. And I always think I don't have any rules. There are rules. So people went crazy about that Ricky Starks picture floating around on social media. They made a big deal about it. But I, I don't think Ricky Starks is going to be in any trouble. More so, I, I think it's more of a WWE fan-sided thing. Oh, look, he's kind of trying to lure Ricky Starks away from AEW. Should Tony Khan be concerned? I don't know. If Tony Khan treats Ricky Starks the right way and gives Ricky Starks what he tells he's going to give Ricky Starks, I, I don't see there being an issue. Ricky Starks is young enough to continue doing what he's doing for AEW and then always have a possibility of landing with the WWE. Is Ricky Starks where he needs to be right now as far as an AEW talent? No, he's not. I, I expect big things for Ricky Starks in the future. World Championship possible in his future. He needs to get his feet wet and find some success in, in, in AEW before we even start hinting at him joining the WWE. Can't there be friends? Can't it just be Ricky Starks is a great friend of Cody Rhodes and he wants to see Cody Rhodes 
find that success after a long battle with rehabilitation to come back from a devastating injury? It's not that big of a deal, folks. This is what the tribalist fan doesn't understand. Like Cody Rhodes says, there are people from my locker room now who are married to other people in that other locker room and vice versa. Everybody loves the same thing. We're all in this together. It's, it's the same thing. They love pro wrestling. And I don't understand why the fans just don't love pro wrestling. I don't know. I don't know. WWE, keeping with the Cody Rhodes theme here, they nixed, apparently, reportedly, nixed big championship plans at WrestleMania 39. Now, you probably know where this is leading, but there's been several rumors, and Dave Meltzer finally, I, I think, finally got the lowdown on everything that was supposed to be in the main event of WrestleMania before Cody Rhodes won the Royal Rumble and challenged Roman Reigns for the world championships. Now, The Rock implied to WWE that he didn't feel like he had enough time to get in ring shape for a Mania main event and passed on a Roman Reigns match, although he has left the door open for next year. WWE is going with Cody Rhodes challenging Reigns for the undisputed WWE Universal title at WrestleMania. WrestlingNews.co exclusively reported in December when the possibility of The Rock wrestling at Mania was still in play, WWE had plans to separate the WWE Universal Championship and the WWE Championship into separate titles again. The first night would have seen Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, and Cody Rhodes for the WWE Championship, while Roman Reigns versus The Rock would be for the Universal Championship, and that would have headlined night two of the event. Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Radio confirmed this was Mania's original plan before The Rock decided not to wrestle. I'm glad this original idea didn't come about because that sounds fucking terrible. Nobody wants to see McIntyre, Rollins, and Cody Rhodes for a WWE championship. I think that sounds ridiculous. Honestly, where we're going right now, it's a lot better than where they were uh, before all of these plans happened with Cody. He says, this was the original plan before The Rock decided not to wrestle. The key to this, says Meltzer, is they are not creating a new championship on the Saturday night show. Brian Alvarez then says they're not creating a new championship. Yeah, there was talk of doing the second title on Saturday. Alvarez then says, I'd always been under the impression that Roman was defending both titles. Meltzer said, no, if it was Roman and The Rock, they were going to create a championship on Saturday night that Cody probably would have ended up winning. But it was Cody, Drew, or Rollins that was going to come out of that one because they want to go back to two titles. Obviously, at Mania, it's for both belts. They did explain again. They did say it's now two belts again. It's not one belt. They are at the they are at some point going to separate them. Okay, so nowhere in this story, nowhere in this report, is there a logical way to separate the championships? So it, it, I go back to what I just told you. This idea sucks because that's the most important part of all this. You could put names and a match together. But how exactly are you getting a WWE championship and a Universal championship split from one another if they've been together for well over a year now? There's got to be a logical way to do that. We just can't take one from Roman because of whatever reason, X, Y, Z reasons. 
can't take something from him without any fucking reason behind it. This is why I think the idea that I had proposed is a lot better. One championship match, somebody beats Roman at WrestleMania, whoever it is, in this case, Cody. Cody wins the world championships. Hopefully, it's a great story going into it, and it makes a lot of sense and really makes me feel, yes, Cody Rhodes did it. He deserves it. Cody Rhodes wins the world championship on Sunday, and I hope that we get a confirmation of a draft happening on the Raw after Mania. A WWE draft happening. If it doesn't happen on Monday after WrestleMania, somewhere in April. Somewhere in April. And that's where you split the championships. Cody's presented with a new WWF championship. Triple H makes the decision to take the Universal Championship. And we are going back to two separate titles. SmackDown gets their world title. Cody keeps the WWE Championship, maybe a a new redesigned winged eagle if if that's where where he wants to go. I know he wants that. And we get two world championships again. Now, I don't know if they do that same thing with the tag team championships because I've always been under the impression that the tag team championships, the way that they are right now with floating championships between Raw and SmackDown, I think that works best. If I'm WWE, I'm splitting the world championships. Tag team titles, when the Usos drop them to Sammy and KO, I'm making one set of WWE tag team championships. That is it. Sammy could show up on Raw. Sammy could show up on SmackDown. Same thing with KO. Whatever. That's what I do. I think that's best for the tag team division. That is the best creative decision for the tag team division. So this this plan here, I mean, nowhere in this report said how they would split the titles. It's the most important aspect of it all, but nobody's got a fucking plan or a rumor about how they would have actually split the championships. Seth Rollins, he's going to have a major WrestleMania match. Rumor has it that it's going to be against Logan Paul. Seth Rollins, he said this to Logan Paul via an Instagram Live. I don't want you a part of my business if you're going to leech off of it. So they're really heavily going at Logan Paul here through Seth Rollins in hopes that this works out for WrestleMania. So Rollins is continuing to add more fuel to this rumor of a Logan Paul match at WrestleMania 39. So Rollins lashed out at Logan Paul in character during an Instagram live session last week where he noted that they're they're going to come face-to-face and Paul doesn't want any of Seth Rollins. Now, while appearing on the Pat McAfee show, the WWE color commentator was praising Logan Paul's transition into the world of pro wrestling. Rollins called Paul out for being selfish. He says he doesn't care about anything but himself. I can respect the hustle. I really do because it takes hustle to get where he is at and to try and get the opportunities he's got. But at the end of the day, it's about passion. No one is going to suit up and play in the NFL and play football because they're a social media superstar, right? They're going to get creamed. He's going to step into my world and he's going to get creamed. Get your mind out of the gutter. If you want to contribute and give back to our industry, you're a fan of it and you love it, right? He asked Pat McAfee. You're a fan of it. You love it. You give back to it. You talk about it. Any chance you get And you put it over. That's not him, dude. That's not him. He's in it for himself. He's in it for his own gain. So I don't want you in my business if you're going to leech off of it and you're going to take it from me. 
great. If you're gonna if you're gonna go and help out and you're gonna make everything as good as you can, but if you're going to come and do it for you, look, I can only judge what he's done in the past, his own history. That's foretelling for the future, and that's why I don't like the guy. That's why I don't dig the guy, and he's going to rub it in on social media. He's going to talk his talk, but he don't want to say anything to my face. So WWE is really, you you, you can tell through multiple outlets that they are really setting it up for a match at WrestleMania, and I think that's going to be the right match you know, because right now, if you look at it, Logan Paul's got nothing to do because John Cena and Logan Paul was the rumored match. Logan Paul, uh, outside of that, really had nothing else to do. So John Cena's getting Austin Theory, and Seth Rollins had nothing else to do. So honestly, looking at the grand scheme of things, it was two guys that were left with nothing to do. So it, they, they kind of canceled each other out. And that's what we're getting at WrestleMania. It should be, it should be a fun match. If, if Logan Paul put on a banger match with Roman Reigns, I could, I, I, I could absolutely imagine he's doing the same thing, if not better, with Seth Rollins. Because I think Seth Rollins is a better wrestler than Roman Reigns. You might not think that. So we may end up getting a better match with Rollins and Logan Paul. And I think Rollins obviously compliments, or Logan Paul rather, compliments Seth Rollins a little bit better than Roman Reigns did for Logan Paul. So we will see what happens. And I think it should be a fantastic match at WrestleMania. And it definitely is a star-making night for one of those guys, if not both. Somebody that might not even be at WrestleMania. Alexa Bliss. Apparently, she is taking time off again. Unknown reasons. Not that it's any of our business, but again. And she reacted to negative comments after a report of her WWE hiatus was floating around on social media. Alexa Bliss, obviously, she has a toxic fan base, as we all know, as I know, for sure. Trolls, negativity, they always seem to find everybody on social media, but more so somebody like Alexa Bliss. Sometimes that is overwhelming, and, you know, people usually find and gravitate to the negativity, then they do the positivity. Bliss apparently is taking time away from WWE, The company knew about it going into the Royal Rumble, so that's why she lost to Bianca Belair in what I thought was a really shitty match. Nothing memorable at all. Nothing memorable about their feud. In recent weeks, WWE's been teasing that Bliss will align herself with Uncle Howdy, Bray Wyatt, both, including after the Royal Rumble match as they aired a video where you could see a playground and Uncle Howdy. Following this report, Bliss took to Twitter to post things that fans have said about her. She also said not to believe everything you read in regards to her WWE hiatus. She was kind of poking fun at the trolls and the negativity. She said, good, she's boring anyway. Hopefully she's gone for good. She doesn't care anymore. Don't believe everything you read online. Um, There's some truth to some of that stuff that she posted on social media. Good, she's boring anyway. Alexa Bliss hasn't been entertaining. Flexibus hasn't been entertaining since the beginning stages of the Fiend and Alexa Bliss storyline back during the pandemic era. I thought she played that very good, but she hasn't been good since. She's been boring. She's been channel-changing talent on TV. Hopefully, she's gone for good. I mean, would you miss Alexa Bliss if she was gone? I mean, she doesn't add anything to the division. And if she disappeared tomorrow, I mean, I won't even bat an eyelash. 
The division doesn't really matter if Bliss is there or not. She adds nothing to the division. In this current role that she's in, in the current state that we see Alexa Bliss, she adds nothing to the Raw Women's Division. Absolutely zero. And she doesn't care anymore. Go back and watch that match with Bianca Belair. Does that look like the wrestler that cares about being there? Does she look like she wrestles like she actually gives a fuck? I don't think so. And I could see that shit from a mile away. Not, not, not only on Alexa Bliss. When it happens to somebody else, I always say it's that. Maybe she doesn't care. Maybe she's falling out of love with just wrestling in general. She just got married last year. Maybe she wants to start a, a, a life of her own away from WWE. Maybe she wants to do other things. Maybe she wants to get into acting. Maybe wrestling isn't at the top of her priority list anymore. We don't know. We don't know. But anything she's done in the better part of a year, I don't really feel that coming from Alexa Bliss like she actually cares. If she did, things would be a lot better. And they're not. Now, we don't know if she's going to play a role at WrestleMania or not. We, for all we know, we may get Uncle Howdy versus Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. We don't fucking know what's going on there. She may be a part of that. We may get the full transformation of her character at WrestleMania and things come full circle from when the last time we seen Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton at WrestleMania to what we see with Bray Wyatt and what he does at this year's WrestleMania. We don't know. Time will tell. After what we saw with the pitch black match, I don't know if I want to see anything regarding Bray Wyatt again. Sad. Monday Night Raw notes. We know Maxine Dupree, Marseille, and Mansois, the maximum male models. Yes, I'm sure you guys are so excited about the maximum male models. They're now officially members of the Raw roster. WWE moved them over to Monday Night Raw this past Monday on Raw. Per PW Insider, who corroborated the Maximum Male models that switch brands, there's another tag team that switch brands, and you may not even know about it. Not like they get TV time anyway, but Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo, Los Lotharios, have also been moved to Monday Night Raw. Now, WWE still lists Angel and Humberto as SmackDown stars, but PW Insider is reporting that they are moved to Monday Night Raw. Los Lotharios were last seen on SmackDown, January 20th, in a losing effort against Top Dollar, Flop Dollar, Bottom Dollar, Dollar Tree, and Ashante the Adonis of Shiro. the fucking reverb in here, Jesse? The fuck are they doing down there, man? I, it's, I, this construction, man, I can't wait for it to be over, man. Holy shit. Now, I would love to see something happen with these guys. WWE didn't give us any reason. Maybe, maybe something happens. I mean, I, they, they tried to explain why the maximum male models moved over to Monday Night Raw. I mean, I don't care. Maybe they make something out of Angel and Humberto move it over to Monday Night Raw. Maybe they do something per storyline. I, I don't know. But at the end of the day, who cares? Who cares? Angel Garza has wasted his life in WWE. What a, what a fucking waste of a talent is Angel Garza. You got Angel Garza sitting there doing nothing, man. I find that to be fucking creative malpractice, honestly. That is awful. Awful. 
And the maximum male models, I, I don't know why we're continuing. It's not funny. It's not entertaining. And if you like it, you're just kidding yourself, and you're, and you're looking and fishing for clicks online. That's it. Shit sucks. Shifting gears to dynamite. CM Punk. Apparently, he will be available for AEW soon if they want to use him. Really? Wow. CM Punk has been missing from AEW programming since Brawl Out in early September. Obviously, you guys know about that. They suspended, AEW did, all of the people involved. A Steel fired from AEW. Punk is also out of action with an injury. And another one of those what-if things, if Punk wasn't injured, how long would he have been suspended? If Punk wasn't injured, would he have been released from the company? If Punk wasn't injured, would a buyout of his contract happen in 2022? Nobody will know. Nobody will know. When CM Punk went down with injury, it was, if you're a CM Punk fan, if CM Punk didn't go down with injury, I don't know what would have happened to CM Punk, but the injury to CM Punk was probably his saving grace with him staying with AEW. Because in that time, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I think if you ask people, do you want Punk back in AEW, I think the majority of you will say yes. And if you say no, you're slightly, kind of, maybe lying to yourself. Because Punk with AEW is a better AEW than without CM Punk. Let's be real. Meltzer talked about this on The Observer. He was talking about how AEW needs a top babyface to feud with MJF. Meltzer brought up fans thinking Punk could be in that spot. Meltzer only mentioned the typical timetable for recovery of his kind of injury and noted that if the two sides can work something out, then he would be available. It's still unknown what Punk's future holds in wrestling. The latest update on Punk was last month when it was reported that CM Punk's side believes that Tony Khan has put Punk on ice for the time being. Yes, because there really isn't any plans for him being that he's injured. Why would there be plans for CM Punk if he's hurt? And if there are plans for CM Punk, clearly Tony Khan is waiting for him to come back. I'm not saying that there isn't plans, but why would they be known to anybody but Tony Khan? Melcher says, but they are lacking in that babyface department. Something fierce. They had a shot with MJF. Obviously, they did the double cross on that. I'm glad they did because MJF is a much better heel than he is a babyface. He would have been great in both, but let's be real. You don't want to see a babyface MJF. MJF was great as a heel on Dynamite on Wednesday, but they don't have the guy. That's one of the reasons. Punk's not going to be the guy either. I know some people might say, well, Punk's coming back. Punk may come back. He will be available to come back if they want to use him in a couple of months. It's not like it's so far in the future. Of course, if they were to bring Punk back, that opens up a lot of other issues that we can talk about another day, but that's the weakness. There's no easy answer to this. It's not like you can snap your fingers and create a baby face, Meltzer said. Now, they have baby faces. I, I, I don't know what Meltzer's talking about. I mean, I want you guys to look at this list. I mentioned this list to Jesse on last night's AEW podcast. This was the list that MJF had tweeted back earlier 
when he had won the world championship. This list. Look at this list. Look at the names on this list. And look at the order in which they appear. Who was his first name? Who was the first name that wrestled MJF for the world championship after winning the Eliminator Tournament? It was uh, Ricky Starks, who he called the Pebble because he thought Ricky Starks was a cheap imitation of Dwayne. So he called him, instead of The Rock, the Pebble. Who was he feuding with going into Revolution? The American dipshit dragon, Brian Danielson. So just by the first two names on this list, people that will never beat me for the Triple B, the first two names fall in succession, in order. Who's number three? Warho. Wardlow. Who's number four? Edward. Who's Edward? It's Eddie Kingston. Then we got Sensitive Cowboy, Adam Page. Then we got Jungle Jabroni, who just said he wanted to win singles gold and venture out on his own. Then we got Darbs, the school shooter. Then we got Adam, my brain don't work, so I can't cope, Cole. And then we got Mr. Clean, Castagnoli. So clearly, clearly MJF playing the marks like he usually does showed you, and you didn't realize it until then, until I'm telling you now, the list of names are probably in order in which you will see MJF defend that AEW World Championship. There are baby faces for MJF. It doesn't have to be CM Punk. In fact, if CM Punk is going to come back to the company, I kind of don't want him to wrestle for the World Championship. I feel like the fucking championship's been cursed with CM Punk holding it. Why would you want to do it again? He won it, and then Brawl Out happened, right? He won the championship again, and then he got fucking injured in the match in which he won it. Enough. I'm not giving CM Punk the World Championship back at all. I think that would be a huge mistake. In fact, we may see a glimpse of the future coming out of Dynamite last night in regards to CM Punk and where he fits. The Gun Club won the Tag Team Championships last night on Dynamite by defeating the Acclaimed. The last time we saw the Gun Club, they were getting victories over, or a victory over FTR. Have we seen FTR on TV? No. Apparently, FTR's taking all the time in the world that they need to get their minds right about what they want to do as far as their next decision in the business. Where Dax Harwood said their next decision is probably their last full-time. At least with a major television promotion. The last time we saw the Gun Club, they were beating FTR. The Gun Club just won the Tag Team Championships. Do the Acclaimed need the Tag Team Championships? I don't think so. I think the Acclaimed are very well off on their own without the Tag Team Championships. If the Gun Club is a catalyst to get FTR back in the company, the Gun Club is a catalyst to get FTR back in the company and win the Tag Team Championships, I am okay with that decision. And if FTR is back and winning the Tag Team Championships, who do you think that's going to Shake, rattle, and roll more so than any other tag team in AEW. The Young Bucks. And where FTR is, you will not, you will not get anybody better. 
than CM Punk. CM Punk will not be that far behind. I honestly think if FTR is back in the company, if they end up coming back in the company, they're going to have a major plan for them laid out. Tag Team Championship gold. CM Punk is coming back, and we're getting a trios championship or a trios feud with CM Punk and FTR versus the Elite and Kenny Omega. I mean... If you want something that's going to transcend AEW into the next fucking phase of their existence, that's the feud. That's the match. That's the program. Punk knows it. Matt and Nick Jackson know it. Kenny Omega knows it. Adam Page knows it. FTR knows it. And CM Punk knows it. Tony Khan knows it. CM Punk is not getting released from AEW. Tony Khan is not buying out his contract. Tony Khan is going to fucking milk that contract dry of every cent he paid CM Punk. And CM Punk, whether you like him or not, is a valuable asset to this company. And I do believe he wants to be back in pro wrestling. There's nothing for him to do in WWE. That narrative, I never really understood that narrative of Punk going back to WWE. Why would he go back to WWE? To do what? To do what? Everything that he's everything that he said over the last eight years would be absolutely fucking burned to ash. Nobody would look at him as a credible individual, a credible human being ever again. The only place for him to go is AEW or finally retire and go away. And I don't think he's going away yet. Just keep that in mind. Whether or not the gun club win the tag team championships. Uh, or or win the match at Revolution to regain the Tag Team Championships, I I don't know. The likelihood of them losing is 50-50. But I do think that Billy Gunn is going to turn on the acclaimed and join the Gun Club, and I do think that if the Gun Club are the Tag Team Champions coming out of Revolution, that FTR is probably, more than likely, the solid choice to come back and take the belts off of the Gun Club. Then that will lead to CM Punk staying with the company. That's just me. We'll see. This is all speculation right now. But MJF does not need CM Punk, and CM Punk does not need MJF at this point. Several AEW stars were not able to appear on Dynamite on Wednesday. If you guys were wondering why Roosh has been all over TV lately, Roosh is great. But where's Bandito? Where's Ray Phoenix? Where's Penta? Apparently, everybody is out with visa issues. Ilya Dragunov just made his return on Tuesday's NXT. Tyler Bate is back on Tuesday's NXT. All visa issues. A lot of people, Melter says, brought up what happened with Penta, Phoenix, Bandito. There are visa issues, and it's all through wrestling right now. WWE's finally cleared it up. They had Ilya Dragunov, Miko Satamora on Tuesday. So many of these people had visa issues coming in. Here you are in El Paso, Texas, and Bandito, Phoenix, and Pentagon would have been over like crazy on this show, and they were not even on the show, and it still ended up being one of the best in-ring dynamites ever. I mean, on the card, they weren't on Dark Elevation. I knew they weren't going to be on Dynamite, but they weren't on Rampage either, and they probably would have been the most over guys on the entire show. I would think, I think Pentagon would be the most over guy on the show had he been available for Wednesday, Melter said. So if you guys are wondering where everybody is, like Meltzer was wondering, all the great Mexican talent from, you know, AEW, where are they? Not there. Visa issues. Hopefully that gets squared away soon because that is a, uh, that's a lot of talent that could be on the shows and sorely needed, especially Ray Phoenix and, uh, and Penta in that tag team division. Bandito, 
Love to see those guys on Dynamite. Hopefully that gets resolved soon. MJF's bizarre promo. MJF's bizarre promo on Dynamite, man. There is some truth to this promo. I actually uncovered this, and Meltzer and Alvarez actually talked about this on The Observer. They explained MJF's story on Dynamite was mostly true. What story? He talked about his Camaro hitting a telephone pole, and then somebody by the name of, let's call her Liv, for legal reasons, can't reveal her own name, her real name. And then he admitted to vehicular manslaughter and framing somebody for vehicular manslaughter. It's crazy. Promo was great. Just a weird way to get to the point that he was trying to make. So Alvarez and Meltzer talked about this and explained that MJF's story on Dynamite this week was mostly true. Now, Liv Morgan was trending because he mentioned the word Liv. She probably opened Twitter on Thursday morning and, and, and said, why am I trending? I didn't even do anything. And realized that MGF must be up to something. Liv wasn't in the car. Liv Morgan was not in the car. But his football buddies and MJF did crash into a tree years ago. Alvarez went on to explain that MJF simply changed up enough of the story to make people hate him. This heel tactic seemed to work once again. Especially after the blowjob joke he made about Liv Morgan. Which popped everybody. Probably going to end up being a meme till the end of existence. Liv was not in the car. He did spin out with his football buddies and smash into a tree. It was a serious, serious car accident. The thing is that MJF likes to use his real-life stories in his promos. It was further noted that he used this one this week, and he changed the end. And he wanted to make people think he was a horrible person. It wasn't a story he made up. 80% of it was true, and 20% of it is fake, and he wanted people to hate him for it. MJF wants people to hate him. He's a true fucking villain. That's why we love him, and that's what he's got to do. And I appreciate that. He's the walking embodiment of a fucking pro wrestling heel, and he takes it to the extremes, and that's the only way I want somebody to do it. If he's hated, he's doing it right. He's going about it differently, but he uses real-life situations, but the part about Liv Morgan was fabricated in this specific story. Fine. Fine. We know Liv Morgan was not in the car, clearly not in the car, and we know that him and Liv Morgan are probably buddy-buddy, whatever the case may be. But the car accident and the car hitting a tree or a telephone pole, whatever it was, is legit. So if you guys were wondering about the bizarre promo, uh, he wanted to make sure that Brian knew he would do anything in this world to get where he needed to be. And the story that he told was exactly that. And he applied that to doing whatever he has to do to win this Ironman match and retain the AEW championship. A little bizarre, a little demented getting there, but classic grade A MJF promo work. Awesome. Speaking of MJF, Jesse says, I think we already knew he was a horrible person. Listen, man, I'd love to have a beer or two with, uh, with him or a glass of wine. Right? I don't even know if he, he may be too sophisticated for fucking beer. We'll have a glass of wine with MJF and shoot the shit, man. I'd love to do that. Everybody knows he's an asshole. That's what we love about him. 
Speaking of assholes, Eddie Kingston called MJF a real piece of shit. Now, this is blurring the lines of what's going on, but I'm more in the camp of, I think Eddie Kingston is just maximizing his time off of TV and setting something up for after we get through with MJF and Brian Danielson. MJF is the current AEW world champion and the top heel of the company, as you guys know. Eddie Kingston has been speaking his mind about MJF in a new interview. He spoke with Mark Marone. Kingston addressed his true feelings on MJF. He said this, he's a real piece of shit. I'm just going to put that one out there. I don't know why he is the champion. He'll cry about it to Tony Khan. Then he'll get an email from Mega in HR. You can't be calling our world champion a piece of shit. Well, if he doesn't act like a piece of shit, I won't call him a piece of shit. When Marone mentioned that being a piece of shit is part of MJF's on-screen persona, Eddie said this, not backstage to the boys. He's a lowlife. He's a young kid who thinks he knows it all and doesn't. Fuck him. I don't give a shit. What are they going to do? Fire me? Okay, I'll go work somewhere else and make money. Kingston since responded to the release of this interview because everybody was talking about it in a Twitter post and says this in a follow-up. Well, I guess the podcast deal came out and it is news now that I don't like our world champion. Well, folks, he ain't the only one I don't like. It's simple. If you are not a good person in my eyes, and he puts in quotes, important, in my eyes, then go fuck yourself. Then he says, edit, so at AEW can retweet it, because he had a blank out, fuck, and he used uh, expletives to fill in the full spelling of the word. Eddie Kingston also made it very clear on Twitter that he wasn't too happy about MJF getting so much TV time last night on Dynamite. Side note, Eddie Kingston says, since we need to see this world champion three times within an hour and a half when it's a two-hour show, fuck Ortiz, fuck House of Black, and fuck the roster. Born alone, die alone, I tried. I don't need anyone, including Mox and Penta. Fuck everyone, especially the pillars. End quote. Maybe Eddie Kingston's off his medication, bro. I, I, don't, I don't know. But if this is Eddie Kingston doing what he needs to do before he gets back to television, this is the Eddie Kingston that I want making his way back to television. This is going to make a storyline. This is going to make a world championship program with MJF that much more interesting. Imagine the promo back and forth between MJF and Eddie Kingston, man. And we know MJF for their promo work. And we know MJF uh, for, for basically everything. We know Eddie Kingston for his promo. We know AEW for their promo segments. This will be an all-timer. Mark my words. If we're setting up, if this list that I showed you before is any indication about where we're going, this and what we're getting now is kind of setting ourselves up for that. Now, I know Wardlow was number three on the list, but Wardlow's got Samoa Joe coming at the pay-per-view, so if he wins the TNT title, he may not be in line for a world championship match against MJF right away. So we may actually move Eddie Kingston up there going into double or nothing. We'll see. We will see. And finally, guys, miscellaneous news on Matt Cardona. The former Zack Ryder says WWE fought him hard over the Zack Ryder trademark. Last month, Matt Cardona filed for trademark rights of his old WWE ring name, Zack Ryder. Ryder. 
He later tweeted that he tried to get it, but was denied. Former WWE star found out, uh, found success after reinventing himself like Cody did, working in the indies, working for various promotions, in this case, GCW, Impact, NWW, while appearing on Jason Powell's Pro Wrestling Boom podcast, Matt Cardona revealed that even though the trademark did lapse, WWE fought him on the trademark, so he backed off because if he took them to court, WWE would have won because it's their intellectual property. They did let it lapse. Cardona said about WWE's hold on the Zack Ryder trademark, I applied for it knowing there's a chance they could fight it, and they have it, so that's that. I'm letting it go. It would have been cool to do a cinematic Matt Cardona versus Zack Ryder match, but it's not going to happen. I'm not going to fight at the end of the day. It's their intellectual property. They would win if we, if we ever went to court over it, so I tried. They fought, so that's that. I'm backing down. Cardona also explained that he filed for the trademark because he wanted to sell merchandise and do a Matt Cardona versus Zack Ryder cinematic match. He stated that, in his opinion, Zack Ryder is dead, but the cinematic match would have been cool, and he's grateful for that time as Zack Ryder. Who knows? I thought he was going to be in the Royal Rumble. I thought he was going to show up in the Royal Rumble, and when I heard that WWE had uh, brought Chelsea Green in, I'm like, oh, there's no, there's no way that they don't bring in Matt Cardona, right? Then I heard that he filed for trademark on the, the Zack Ryder name, and I'm like, oh, no. He's coming back for the Royal Rumble as Zack Ryder, and we want him as Matt Cardona. Even said to Chris Van Vliet, if I come back as Zack Ryder, it's not, it's not going to be the same. I, I'm coming back as Matt Cardona. Zack Ryder's dead. That's not me anymore. I would have been a little disappointed if he came back as Zack Ryder. But I do expect Matt Cardona in WWE at some point, whether it's this year or in the near future. I do believe he will be back with his wife now there. I do think that all signs point to him. Whatever he's doing now, finishing up where he is and then joining uh, WWE, I think he's earned it. And I'd love to see a redemption story told in, in his way as well for what he did for WWE. Went out and did on his own and, and become a success on his own. And then go back there and proved all of them wrong because he's a bigger star now than he was under them. I love those types of stories. So I'd love to see something like that with him eventually in WWE. Guys, that's all I got for you. Hopefully you enjoyed today's little podcast. We're going to get into the Super Chats in just a little bit. Jesse says, no, he wanted to buy it to kill it. Yeah, I would. That's a good point. That's a good point. Buy it, own it, never see it again. Because he knows if he goes back, WWE's going to be like, oh yeah, listen, man. You're going to be Zack Ryder again. No. No. There's got to be a way. There's got to be a way to work that shit out. Thank you guys very much, man. Please hit that thumbs up. We got, uh, we had about 1,600 in the live stream chat. I'd love to see you guys get at least 750. Can we get at least 100 more likes on the stream today, man? Hit that thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. And follow me on social media, man. At JD from NY206. Christian with a new membership. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you stopping by and becoming a VIP, man. Michelle Moran with a $2 super chat. Why does Cody resist turning heel? 
got to be an ego thing. Cody doesn't believe he's a heel. Cody believes that everyone should love him. Could it happen? I don't think it's going to be happening something on Cody's watch that he wants to have happen. I think the fans are going to just make it happen when they see fit. It's going to be in the eyes of the fans when they want it to happen. Cody Snyder with a $5 super chat. The most important road to WrestleMania to me is Rhea's. If she doesn't beat Charlotte and take the title, Vince Saudi, can we can have WWE? Uh, I, I do believe Rhea is beating Charlotte, brother. Rhea needs to beat Charlotte. There's no other logical decision there. Cam G with a $100 super chat. Oh my goodness. Cam G. Thank you, brother. My guy, JD, what's going on? The storyline that gets overlooked in all of this is the Carrying Cross Rey Mysterio feud. Loving the work Cross is doing. Anyways, just showing love. O-T-S for life. Listen, man, I'm really excited to see where they could go with that, but I, I don't think that right now there's anything to be excited about. I don't think there's anything exciting there about Carrying Cross and Rey Mysterio. But thank you for the 100 bomb, brother. I really appreciate you being in the venue. Gary Gordon with a $5 super chat. Roman will be walking into the most brutal, most hostile environment in the history of pro wrestling and maybe pro everything. I'm assuming you, you mean Montreal. It, it, it's, going, it's going to be... This may be one of the most epic crowds of all time. I can't wait. Corey Williams with a six-month VIP. Thank you, brother. Make the story about Cody Rhodes and not Dusty Rhodes. Absolutely. Nick Williams with a $2 super jab. Bailey wants a match with Michael Cole at WrestleMania. Now, we actually like Michael Cole nowadays. Let's salvage Michael Cole while we got him. Because Kevin Patrick, I mean, he ain't it. Gary Gordon with a $5 super chat. Any chances of the Forbidden Door opening for Mania for Dustin Rhodes? Or is this grasping at straws? I mean, he could be in the front row. He could be in the front row. Why not? Who gives a shit? If Cody's going to be winning the world championship, I respect him to be there. The cake with a $2 super chat. Cody needs to retire the universal title. I don't think that's going to happen, bro. WWE loves their big logo belts. Universal title will live on after Roman. But they will be split after WrestleMania. Nick Williams with a $5 Super Jack. JD, I challenge you to an online match on AEW Fight Forever on PS5. You in. And let me get let me get my feet wet with the game first, Nick. And then we'll talk about it. But you'll be seeing Fight Forever on the channel. Content will be happening with that game. No doubt about it. Sidhu or Sid01 I will defend you with all if these botches or or botchexa bliss fans show up against you bro I hope all I hope you all the success in the world well thank you for the uh, backup against the Alexa bliss blo uh, bot Sid I appreciate you brother thank you cake with the $2 super chat 
Knock, knock. Who's there? CM Punk to Impact. CM Punk is not going to Impact at all. Give me a break. That would never happen. Why would Punk want to wrestle for Impact? Tony Khan's paying him upwards for $5 million a year. Gary Gordon with a $10 super chat. Sammy has put over the bloodline and even Roman Reigns to higher grounds, but he has also to put over ratings, and that is huge. Bro, every time Sammy and Roman and the bloodline are on TV, the ratings are up. SmackDown did over 2-5 on Friday. That's coming out of the Royal Rumble. Meanwhile, Raw was down. Raw's got its own problems. Raw's the, Raw doesn't have the bloodline. Raw doesn't have any hooks like they do the bloodline, but... Cody and Paul Heyman cut a promo on Raw, and they did a 1-8. Sammy and Roman were on SmackDown with the bloodline following Royal Rumble, and they, they did a 2-5. Who do you think the fans are more interested in? Today's wrestling fans are spoiled. Today we have JD, BC. Back in the day, we had Wrestling Eye, Wrestling Illustrated Magazines. Appreciate your hard work. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. DGK Dog with an I-99. I would still like to see another Becky vs. Bailey stipulation match of some sort of WrestleMania one-on-one -on -one without damage control at ringside and no outside interference, distractions, or run-ins involved. We don't know what's going to happen with those two, bro. We may actually end up getting them added to the Raw Women's Championship match. Maybe. Honestly, I don't want them to be added to the Raw Women's Championship match, but Becky Lynch is just like Charlotte. When WrestleMania comes around, she's always in a championship match. And the only time she wasn't when is when she was out pregnant. I would do Bianca versus Asuka, and I would have Asuka as the new Raw Women's Champion. M. James with a Canadian $5 super chat. I hope to God Punk does not come back. For there are way too many dream matches still with the likes of Adam Cole or Kenny Omega and others. I hope Punk comes back as well. I do think he will. Glorious one, 499 question. Where do you think WWE would be if Seth Rollins never got hurt in 2015? The same exact place that we were uh, that we're in right now. Cody Snyder with a $2 super chat. I always want Punk back. Best in the world. I think a lot of fans want CM Punk back. If you don't want CM Punk back, I think you're just lying to yourself, to be quite honest with you. And Clone Force 99 with a 499 super chat. I got a joke. Here's one. Dad, what a full-packed crowd. I don't know, son. We are Impact fans. I, I don't even get booze from the OTS venue for that one, Clone Force. I don't, I don't know, man. I think we have one. Everybody loves Sidro as the resident comedian here on OTS, bro, but I appreciate the effort. I appreciate the effort. Anyway, guys, I'm about to get out of here. Dinner time, and then I'm going to watch Impractical Joker season premiere. That's what I'm doing. Make myself an old-fashioned and watch Impractical Joker. Chris Jericho is supposed to be on the show tonight. So I'm kind of curious to see what they do with that. 
They stole Floyd the baseball bat. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, guys, I appreciate hanging out on this Thursday afternoon. I'd like to get some more Thursday streams in. I think they break up the uh, week quite nicely. And it has more content to the channel, to be quite honest with you. Appreciate you guys. Still operating on this new camera. Hopefully it uh, it looks good. Hopefully no malfunctions for you guys. Hopefully uh, everything comes in crisp and smooth and sounds great. Anyway, guys, I'm about to get out of here. Please follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. We need 45 likes for 750. Thank you to the recommitments of the VIP club. Thank you for the new memberships. Thank you for the super chats. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys go check out all the other content on the channel. Everything you need is there. YouTube shorts, Monday Night Raw post show, AEW Dynamite post show, and you'll see me live tomorrow night after SmackDown right here on OTS. We got two more SmackDowns, I believe, till the Elimination Chamber. Should be a good one. Anyway, guys. Let me see those ace emojis in the chat. Let me see those Mustang emojis in the chat. Let me see those rock on emojis in the chat. Johnny with a 499. Three more people for MJF to defend his belt against. Kenny Omega, Dax Harwood, and John Moxley. I'll take Kenny, I'll take Dax, no more John Moxley. Thank you for your donation, Johnny. And I need that music on Max. Guys, I'll see you tomorrow night live right here on Off The Script for SmackDown. Have a great Thursday, and I'll see you guys tomorrow in the venue.